What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron, and we are back with the Big Big Ten preseason breakdown um, with our number nine team today, uh, Maryland. So Maryland comes in having shared a, t- a portion of the title of the Big Ten with um, Michigan State, um, and they had a great year last year. Rod, twenty-four and seven, fourteen and six in the Big Ten. Um, you know, they were looking at uh, 11 in Ken Palm and 18 in the net. Um, so likely maybe a four or five seed in the tournament. Yeah. Um, what was your take on, on Maryland's season? You know, I think that, at least for myself, I focused on, you know, the what-if aspect of the tournament cancellation and say that guys like Pat Chambers and Steve Peichel really got hit by it because – they, you know, it would have been a huge deal for those programs to get yeah. a tournament bid, right? But I think quietly, a guy like Mark Turgeon really got hurt by that as well. The good news is he actually won a Big Ten title. The first title in any league the program's had since 2009, 2010, so it would have been a decade. Um, and I think he did need that because Maryland's program – I believe the perception is, both among their own fan base and basketball world at large, that over the time they've been in the Big Ten, you could make an argument that no program has had better talent than they've had. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Michigan State is right there with them, but Maryland's had a lot of guys who could play. And up until last year, they didn't have a lot to show for it. They won some games. They, they mostly made the NCAA tournament most years, but they never had a deep march run during Turgeon's time there. Uh, they didn't have any Big Ten championships. And then last year, they won one, a share of it, with MSU and Wisconsin. Now, the flip side of that is, well, they backed into it, which is true. Whereas Michigan State and Wisconsin pretty clearly were playing their best basketball at the end of the year. I think Wisconsin won nine of their last ten. MSU won their last five in a row. Maryland was reeling. You know, if you're a Maryland fan, you probably think, how did we not win that thing outright? Mm-hmm. Because they had a they had a nice cushion, and then it just collapsed. But I must look at the sunny side, glass half full kind of guy, 
And the fact is they did get a title. They got a share of it. That counts. And despite the way they ended the year, I still think they were a very dangerous team in March. And so that's the what-if part of it for Turgeon. And I think it would have been nice for him if they'd gone on, you know, even to the second weekend, gone on that kind of run. I think that would have solidified him. I don't think he's on a hot seat yet, but, you know, this looks like a bit of a rebuilding year, a year where if things go just a little bit wrong, they could be on the outside looking in for a tournament bid. I think they're a borderline team in that respect. Uh, and if he doesn't get in, you know, where, where is the fan base with him? Whereas if he was coming off a nice tournament run, maybe there's a little more patience. Mm-hmm. I just feel like if, if I was a Maryland fan, and I, I get the sense this is kind of the way it's viewed by that fan base and maybe that administration too. I don't know. But I would look at Turgeon's run and say he's been okay, but he's underachieved. They sit in great recruiting territory, as fertile as any in the conference, and they don't have the competition that some others have. They don't compete a lot with Big Ten schools for those kids that they get. Um a lot of talent comes through there. They got a great home court environment. You know, there's nothing lacking mm-hmm. in Maryland. And yet the feeling I think is they just haven't met expectations. You know, you look at over the time that he's, that they've been in the Big Ten. What has a program like Michigan State done? What has a program like Wisconsin done? What has a program like Michigan done? You know, there's a lot of teams in the league that have done a lot more when you look at accomplishments than Maryland has, you know, championships, or Final Four runs, national championship game appearances. And Maryland doesn't have anything in those categories until this year they finally got a share of a league title. Mm-hmm. At some point that has to matter in a job like that, I think. And people care about the sport there too. Maryland is a basketball school. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so players that they lose, um, you mentioned they did – lose quite a bit from that team. Um, Anthony Cowan was their point guard, uh, averaged 16.3 points a game uh, and five assists, 39 from the floor, 32 from three, and 81 from the line, uh, and 6.8 free throw attempts a game, too. Yeah, and that kind of salvaged his year, because otherwise it was his least efficient season, that 32% mark from three. And he hit some big shots. I mean, you remember him closing out the game at Breslin mm-hmm. when they won. Uh, he was big. But the kind of the, the story there is that he hit those shots and you didn't necessarily expect him to because he's having a rough go of it shooting-wise. But he offset that by, I mean, almost seven free-throw attempts a game for a point guard. That's phenomenal. He was up there. When you look at Big Ten players who shot that many free-throws, it was him and then a bunch of big guys. You know, yeah. so he really he made up for it there a little bit, um, almost five assists per game. I, I just think apart from the numbers, which were good, not great relative to what you might expect from him. But I think he was such a, a leader for that program. He really became their focal point and, and a guy who kind of galvanized his teammates. And so in that sense, he's a big loss. You know, I don't think he was ever quite on the level of Winston and Simpson among point guards in the league, but he was that next level down mm-hmm. and a really, really effective player and a big presence from Maryland. They'll miss him. 
Uh, and then Stick Smith, um, who averaged 15.5 points a game, 10.5 rebounds, uh, and 2.3 blocks, um, elects to go pro. Um, yeah, not not a surprise. I mean, there were people who thought he'd go after his freshman year and he came back. His freshman year, it was mostly about potential. If you remember, they had Bruno Fernando, and Bruno Fernando was the productive guy inside. Smith was the guy who showed flashes but wasn't consistently an impact player. Well, that changed last year. He got stronger. He got much better around the rim. Um, I mean, he averaged a double-double. Uh Shot 37% from the three as well, so he really extended his range, the consistency from out there. 2.3 blocks per game. I mean, he he was in. I talk about the, how deep the league was in, in big men last year, but there was an upper echelon that was truly elite, four guys, and he was one of them, along with Tillman and Garza and Oturu. Mm-hmm. He definitely belonged in that category. And now, you know, he's going to be an NBA player. I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, you could see him as a four or even a five in the modern NBA, um, and just had a great season. So he and he and Cowan, it's equivalent to, you know, in its way, what Michigan State lost with with Winston and Tillman in terms of that combination at the one and the five. You know, for Maryland, those were their guess, same kind of guys. You yeah. know, in terms of their importance to what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also lose uh, Ricky Lindo, um, six foot nine sophomore. Uh, he opts to transfer to George Washington um, after a 1.7 points per game, 1.9 rebounds in about eight minutes. Yeah, you know, I, I liked him as a freshman, and they were really high on him. He was a reclassification guy. They thought he had all kinds of potential, and it just never quite came together. And they had a need for somebody with size to play consistent minutes. And he just wasn't able to seize that opportunity. So probably the right move for him transferring down to the A-10 level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sorrell uh, Smith uh, also transferring out to Middle Tennessee. He was a 6'4 junior. Um, not much production, a point and a half a game um, in only about seven minutes. Never found a shot. And I think that had a lot to do with why his minutes were limited. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had they had other guys who were struggling shooting, as we'll talk about. So they weren't going to extend the rotation for another guy who couldn't shoot. Uh, and then Josh uh, Tamayek, six ten senior um, grad, transfers to San Diego State. Similar situation to Lindo, a guy who had some good measurables, some good physical tools that they thought might develop, but he just didn't put it together. And San Diego State, though, is a really good program out of the mountain west they have been in recent years uh so you you have to think um they believe at least that he's got a chance to help him they wouldn't be taking him as a grad transfer otherwise so he may yet have another chapter right in his career but it won't be at maryland Mm -hmm. uh and then we should mention the two um mitchell brothers mckay and uh mckell who had started uh, the year with Maryland, played about 10, 12 games, uh, and then they elect to um, transfer uh, before the end of December to Rhode Island. Yeah, it's not a big impact on Maryland this year because they they learned to play without those guys, but Mm -hmm. they were very highly regarded, especially Makai. They thought he was going to be a starting four man, and he wasn't. They weren't playing big minutes. They were reportedly 
kind of malcontent. So, you know, another situation where I mentioned how well at times Turgeon has recruited, but that's based on things like recruiting rankings. I think he's also had some misses, you know, where guys who seem to have a lot of talent maybe weren't ideal in terms of how they fit into the team concept. Mm -hmm. That strikes me as what's going on, what was going on with the Mitchells. So the Maryland's probably better off would be my take. And he doesn't use his bench very much. Three forty six in bench minutes. Uh, maybe that, there's, there's part that of it is they left, but uh... no. But you know what? As we've talked about, Lindo was on that roster, and they needed yeah. somebody to play. And he couldn't play. He just couldn't play. So I just think guys did not develop. I don't. I don't get the sense Turgeon's a guy who wants to have an incredibly tight bench, mm-hmm. but it worked out that way. Yep. Uh, and then so. They returning uh, some guys though. Aaron Wiggins, six seven junior wing, ten point four points a game, four and a, almost five rebounds a game, um, thirty eight from the floor, thirty two from three, and seventy two from the line. Yeah, the the big deal with Wiggins is the three point shooting because that's his strength as a player. He shot forty one percent as a freshman, thirty two percent as a sophomore. That's a nine point drop. That's significant. Yeah. Now on on the flip side. He found other ways to help. He was still a double-digit scorer, almost five boards a game, pretty decent defender. I think he's going to have a bounce-back season, but he has to. Mm-hmm. Because with he and the next guy we'll talk about, Eric Ayala, they've been, for the first two years in their career, they've been support guys. You know, it's been about Cowan and Bruno Fernando and Stick Smith. They could have, Those two could afford a Maryland could still win even if they weren't playing up to their best. Those days are gone. They are the focal points now on offense. Mm-hmm. So Wiggins has got to find that level of play that he had as a freshman. Yeah, and um, Ayala, uh, kind of similar uh, to, to Wiggins. In that, well, 6'4", junior, um, but 8.5 points a game, 36 from the floor, 27 from three, um, but also took a, a step back from his freshman year. Even bigger. Went from also 41% as a freshman from three to 27, a 14 point drop. That's massive. Uh, and he's going to have the added pressure of likely playing a lot of his minutes at the point. Last year, his first two years, he was kind of a supplementary guy. You know, he'd help out Cowan, maybe play, a, and Cowan played heavy minutes for them. So Ayala maybe would, you know, play a five minute stint at the point, but that was about it. This year, he's going to be the primary guy, I think. So he needs to both do that, play that role effectively, and then also get his shooting back on track. They need him to because he and Wiggins both have the potential to be really good players. I believe all conference-type players, if they're right. Mm. They have to be right for this team to succeed. Given where I've got them predicted, you can tell how I feel. I think they will find themselves, but it's an open – it's a legitimate question. Let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, and then Daryl Morsel, 6'6", senior, uh, averaging 8.5 points a game, 4.7 rebounds, 43 from the floor, 33 from the three, and 76 from the line. I really like him. He's one of these glue guy, jack-of-all-trades types that any good team needs. He's gotten better as a shooter over his career. You know, 33% from three isn't great, but it's good enough that you got to respect him. He's very good defensively, and he's versatile. He chips in almost every area. Mm-hmm. He can help you, and he's tough. 
You know, he and the next guy we're going to talk about, Dante Scott, the thing I really like about those guys and why I think they could be difference makers for Maryland is somewhat about their production, but it's more about the fact that they give Maryland an edge they haven't always had. When I think about Maryland in their Big Ten era, I think about a lot of talent, but I don't necessarily think about grittiness. Yeah. You know, doing the, doing the, the grunt work, the, the ugly stuff to win games. Well, Morsel and Scott are guys who can help you win ugly. And so I think they could help Maryland finish better than maybe people think they will. Mm-hmm. And Scott, a six, seven sophomore, um, 5.9 points a game, 3.6 rebounds, um, similar, uh, profile kind of to um, yeah you know he was a he was a surprise because he we talked about the mitchell twins nobody talked about Dante scott coming in last year but he was the guy who emerged at the four you know he's six seven so he's a little undersized but he's tough enough and he plays up enough physically that he can handle that spot you know he's already good enough defensively he brings that physical presence i think they just hope that he's a little better offensively this year Mm -hmm. but i like him i think he's a good player kind of guy you can win with uh, and then Hakeem Hart, a six-six sophomore, um, only averaged a, a point one point six points per game. Um, kind of struggled from the floor, twenty-two, fifteen, and sixty-seven. Yeah. Like everybody else, look, they think he can help. They think he could be much better offensively, and if he is, he can probably earn a rotation role. Assuming Turgeon wants to expand his playing rotation, and, and I think he has to find, you know, at least one guy in that perimeter group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, there, there aren't a lot of candidates. Hart's got a shot to play some. Uh, and then Chal Marial, a seven-two sophomore, um, has had some health problems uh, to say the least, but wasn't getting a whole lot of time even with that. Um, what are they expecting out of him this year? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, really, there there is not a bigger question mark in the league, I think, than Chal Marial. He was, as a younger player in high school, he was considered an elite recruit. And when you see him, you can understand why he's 7'2". I don't know what his wingspan is. I'd be surprised if it's not 7'4", 7'5". And he can move. But he has been unable to stay healthy. Even last year, he was recovering from two stress fractures. So he only ended up playing in 12 games. And he had other injuries in high school. I mean that, so that's always going to be the question mark with him at the at the start. At the outset, is well, can he be healthy? Can he get on the floor? If he can, and if he can continue to get stronger, Maryland could ha- really have something because he's got all the physical tools and to succeed, and he's not unskilled. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't been able to play. So, is he able to help at least as a rotation guy this year? We'll see. They need him. They need help inside. I know that much. He'd be like a blocking machine. Yeah. He's one yeah, of those just, kind of Dikembe Matumbo. Absolutely. And, and not just that. I think they believe that he's got the potential to give him something at the other end too, but can he stay healthy enough to be out there? That's the question. All right. So uh, newcomers, Marcus Dockery, 6'1 point guard from D.C. Um. Yeah, I think out of necessity, he's going to have to play mm-hmm. because he's a point guard. He's not a highly regarded recruit, but he is a local kid, so presumably they know his game well. Um, I think you got to pencil him into the rotation at some level. It just depends on if Turgeon's going to be stingy with the bench minutes or not. 
you know, maybe he's a five minute a night guy. Maybe he's a 15 minute a night guy. It's an open question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Aquan Smart, a six-three combo guard from Ellen, uh, Evanston, Illinois. Yeah, you know, even more under the radar than Dockery. Um, the question I've got there is he's from Evanston and Northwestern, which is located in Evanston, didn't offer him. Illinois didn't offer him. So what does that say? I mean, both these guys, he and Dockery, are guys that it's unusual for Turgeon because he's traditionally gotten big names in his recruiting classes, well-known guys with track records. These two guys are not that. So it's an interesting test of his talent evaluation skills, if they can come in and actually help. Mm-hmm. And and I don't write that off because, you know, last year, as I mentioned, he had the high-profile guys in the Mitchell brothers, but Dante Scott, who nobody talked about, ended up being a good player. So that can happen. It's just he hasn't built his career on that yet, so you're a little bit suspicious when you see that that's all they're bringing in in the guard spots where they could have used some, they could really use some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ahmad Ravaz, a 6'10", 225-pound, uh, sort of a 4'5 man from Switzerland. Yeah, you know, another, who knows, because it's a European kid, late July edition of the roster, uh, Maryland believes that he can get things done inside and out. And at 6'10", 225, they need size. You know, Dante Scott can man the four, but he's going to need some backup help, and they need something to come together at the five. Where Ravaz fits into that equation remains to be seen, but he's at least got a chance based on his physical tools alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Galen Smith, a 6'9", 230-pound grad transfer from Alabama, um, but wasn't really setting the world on fire down there. 3.1 points per game, two and a half rebounds in 13 minutes. Yeah, I would guess he plays a similar role at Maryland, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can bring in a guy who's got high major experience and say, hey, here's 15 minutes, and you know he's going to be okay, he's going to rebound some, he'll hold the fort down defensively, get you a garbage bucket or two, that's okay. Galen Smith can't be the total answer at the five, but he can be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's better than nothing at this stage. Yeah. Uh, and then Jarius Hamilton, 6'8", 230-pound forward from uh, who transferred in from Boston College. Um, probably maybe at the four quite a bit, uh, but at nine and a half points a game, 4.3 rebounds for Boston College. Yeah, you know, I'm beginning to come around to the idea that he might even – be a small ball five, or maybe Scott is and he plays the four. But I, Ham, getting Hamilton eligible was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers were not spectacular at Boston College. You mentioned the scoring and rebounding are okay. 43% overall, 28% from three, 78 from the line. He took a lot of three-point attempts, 3.7 per game as well. That's too many for that percentage. So either he dials that shot in better or he needs to reel that back. But just from a physical perspective and an experience perspective, the fact that he's played ACC basketball helps you think that leads one to think, well, those numbers should at least translate. They think he could actually be better than that. Um, and if he is, that's a big bonus. I think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, there's no way he doesn't, barring injury, because Maryland just has a screaming need inside. Um, I don't think he's set to be a star but he was an important addition, 
in that they needed bodies who could credibly man the front court, and he's definitely that. Mm-hmm. So Maryland overall, like you said, was in a position somewhat similar to Michigan State with the one and the five. Um, you know, it seems like they've a lot, maybe like Minnesota, have kind of cobbled this one together a little bit. Um, certainly not as much potential quite as, as we believe Michigan State to have. What's your overall outlook for them this no, year? No, I think, I think that's accurate. I mean, obviously Michigan State seems far better equipped to handle the loss of its top two players than this Maryland program is right now. Uh, they're going to be they're going to decline. I mean, Michigan State and Wisconsin are both teams that we perceive to have a chance to come pretty close to what they did last season. You know, they're, they're expected to be in the mix at the top of the league. Mm-hmm. Maryland is the one of those tri champions that's clearly not going to be in that, at that level. Um, I can easily see people looking at this and saying, how do you have Purdue behind them? Maybe even how do you have Minnesota behind them? I can see it, but I did, it's it's a couple things that have got me putting Maryland where we where I've got them. One is I think that the two main guys Wiggins and Ayala are going to be a lot better. I just have a feeling they're going to get back on the beam. Mm-hmm. The other thing is with Mark Turgeon, for the most part, when expectations have been a little lower, he's had better results, and I think this might be one of those kind of years. There's also the potential that, you know, they have a guy like Mariel. Does, does he really break through and actually play a lot of minutes? If he can, that's a huge presence physically, mm-hmm. you know, for them to, to add really to the rotation. You can't rule it out. I'm not saying I expect it, but you can't say there's no chance. Um, so it's going to be interesting. With Maryland, but I, I just have this feeling they're going to put enough together. I think they're going to be gritty defensively. I think Morsel and Scott are going to be bigger presences in terms of how the team competes. And I think they'll just find ways to win maybe a little uglier. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, that'll do it for Maryland. Uh, until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.